Hi, I'm Snigdha Sharma and you're listening to Three Things, the Indian Express news show. In this episode, we talk about the S-400 missile system. We also talk about the crackdown on non-vegetarian food stalls in Ahmedabad. And we go over the latest updates in the Kulbhushan espionage case. Beginning with the latest addition to India's arsenal. For more than $5 billion, the government of India has purchased five Russian-made S-400 Triumph missile systems. Considered one of the most advanced and potent air defense systems in the world, it is an anti-missile and anti-aircraft missile system that has the capability to protect against almost all sorts of aerial attacks, including drones, missiles, rockets and even fighter jets. While it definitely adds to the country's defense capabilities, the purchase comes at a time when the US is considering imposing sanctions under a law called CATSA or Countering America's Adversaries Through Sanctions Act. And the only objective of this American law is to impose punitive measures to counter adversaries like Iran, North Korea and Russia. Now, Russia is one of India's largest suppliers of military equipment. So yes, India is in a bit of a tight spot. So to talk about it in further detail, we were joined by Indian Express's Krishan Kaushik. So Krishan, first of all, what is the S-400 and how does it really work? So S-400 is considered to be among the most advanced air defense systems in the world. The basic function of S-400 is to check for any intruding aerial threats and neuter them essentially. How it functions is it has a radar system. The radar system actually just looks at you know if there are any incoming you know, trajectories or intruding aerial objects in the, which can attack the target, which is called the air bubble, which is the area that this machine has to protect. So if the radar sees any potential threat, it alerts the command center. And if the command center sees it as a real threat, the command center then uh, actually activates a missile launch. And this missile is also guarded by a radar to precisely go and attack the incoming objects. That is the basic function of any air defense system. So it is essentially a surface-to-air missile to which a radar has been added to check for any incoming intrusions. That's how it neuters any aerial threats coming towards the area that it has to protect. To give you a little more detail about the S-400, it is Russian-made. India placed an order for five of these units in 2018 in October. The delivery of the first unit has just about started. The Air Force Chief Marshal Vyar Chaudhary told us in October, the which is last month, that the first S-400 unit will be deployed, will be operational but before the end of the year. Now, if you want to compare, I mean, earlier this year in the battle between, not the battle essentially, the conflict between Israel and, you know, rockets coming in from Gaza, there were many pictures had emerged of the Iron Dome, which Israel has. The Iron Dome is also an air defense system, but it has a much smaller air bubble compared to what S-400 has. The S-400 can detect objects coming in from as far as about 400 kilometers and even further. It has four types of missiles essentially which can cater for incoming objects in the range of 30 kilometers, 80 kilometers, 250 kilometers, and 400 kilometers. While Iron Dome, because of the size of Israel and threats that are coming in from just around Gaza and other areas, they need a much smaller air bubble. So S-400 is the most advanced because it can neuter threats from a much further distance. Right. So, Krishan, how will it boost India's uh, defense capabilities? Now, India needs it because India has potential threats from both Pakistan on the Western Front and China on the Northern Front and a potential two-front conflict as well. So to protect, let's say, even a more important city, which is not very close to the border, India will need a much more advanced system compared to what the Iron Dome is, which is protecting from a much shorter distance and essentially largely just rockets. 
the S-400 can not only neuter rockets, it can neuter missiles, uh, ballistic missiles, and even against fighter jets. It is essentially the most potent and the most advanced air defense system that is available in the world at the moment, even compared to the THAAD or the Patriot that the U.S. has. S-400 has many benefits even compared to the American systems at the moment. The Observer Research Foundation, which is the think tank based in Delhi, earlier this year they mentioned in a report that from the perspective of the Indian Air Force, there is no alternative system capable of serving its long-range air defense requirements. That's why India needs S-400 compared to any other system. Of course, India has many other surface-to-air missiles, which essentially are air defense systems if you look at them. But because of the range that S-400 offers and its capability to target more than 100 objects at simultaneously and you know track objects which are as far as 400 kilometers away and around 100 kilometers up in the sky, this makes it uh, a much more a potent weapon system against any incoming aerial targets. Actually, many other countries have also been interested in it. And for India, concerningly, China has already caught a few units of the S-400, which it deployed last year during the standoff with India and Eastern Ladakh. It deployed along the LSC. So concern for India, then it becomes like, you know, India purchased Rafale fighter jets among the most advanced in the world at the moment. But to have an S-400 guarding against Rafales, it almost does neuter the threat that India could have posed through its Rafales towards China. Of course, that's more in the realm of theoretical academic discussions right now because, of course, I don't believe any of the countries want to attack really the other country. But when you have a system as advanced as S-400, it almost has the capacity to neuter even the most advanced fighter jets in the world. Right. So, Krishan, we know that this purchase comes at a time when India and the US, they're working on a stronger partnership, especially, you know, to deal with China's uh, increasing belligerence. Uh, but the US is also considering imposing sanctions under Katsar, right? So how is India going to maneuver out of this uh, tricky situation? So if any country is involved in significant transactions with these nations, especially when it comes to fields like defense, oil and gas, intelligence, then Katsar comes into play and a U.S. can impose sanctions against the country which is involved in transaction with these three countries as well. So that's what Katsa is. Now, under the Trump administration, what had also happened, US had changed its focus from AFPAC, you know, as the war was dying down and pivoted towards the Indo-Pacific. US has been focusing more and more towards the Chinese threat. China's military strength is growing at an extremely fast pace. So US has been focusing on that. And for that, India becomes an important player for the US because of its geostrategic location. U.S. Navy will want the help of the Indian Navy in the Indo-Pacific region, and which is why the two countries are coming closer. Now, what happens is India started negotiating with Russia to purchase these S-400s before Katsa was implemented in 2017. So that's why India has a little room to wriggle out and say, you know, we were already in discussion before the law kicked in. And of course, that's why India has been saying that there should not be any sanctions imposed against it. However, India has also mentioned, you know, when there have been bail threats from the U.S., like there was in the, at the starting of this year, India has mentioned through the External Affairs Ministry that even though India and U.S. have a comprehensive global strategic partnership, India has a traditionally special and privileged strategic partnership with Russia as well. So India will not want to be, uh, let's say, bullied into being told what it can or cannot purchase for its strategic independence to protect its own borders. Now, along with that, the other problem that, you know, India has faced, not really has faced or maybe is facing at the moment is uh, when it comes to the relationship with the U.S. is that America, of course, as India and U.S. come closer, U.S. wants to sell more and more weapons to India. India traditionally has been buying its weapons from Russia starting from the 50s. You know, we have bought submarines from them, we have bought tanks from them, we have bought fighter jets from them, got guns from them. So India has been buying traditionally a major chunk of its weapons from Russia. 
Now, the US, because of its rivalry with Russia, wants India to wean off from this, let's say, import dependence on Russia and start buying from US more, if not some other Western sources as well. I mean, to just to give you a glimpse, between India and US, they have signed defense contracts worth more than $20 billion since 2008, which was up from $500 million in all the previous years combined. So that's how drastically the tide is shifting towards the US. Even then, Russia remains the major defense importer to India. So, uh, Krishan, you mentioned that, uh, you know, India is heavily dependent on Russia for its uh, military supplies. So, can you tell us a little more about this CRS report? Okay, the CRS report, which unfortunately in my report this morning I mentioned was in January, it was actually in December last year. And it is actually a report about US-India trade relations. Within that report, when they talk about the defense trade, there's a particular sentence which is quite concerning for India. It states that India's multi-billion dollar deal to purchase the Russian-made S-400 air defense system may trigger US sanctions on India under the CATSA, the CATSA Act of 2017. Now, it is important to understand that this is a report of the Congressional Research Service, which is not binding. It is essentially meant to aid members of the Congress of the U.S. in what is happening around the world. And, you know, just to give them a brief about any policy or any issue. So just because the report mentions it does not mean that the sanctions can automatically kick in. But for a research uh, report to say, tell this to the U.S. men and Congresswomen, there is a possibility that, you know, they might be, let's say, swayed by this particular line. And if U.S. has to take a call, they might follow this line. But there's, we don't know that at the moment. In uh, discussions, of course, many U.S. officials have mentioned Indian officials as well that there is this threat because U.S. did impose sanctions on Turkey last year for buying S-400 and Turkey is a NATO ally. India is not even an ally to the U.S. So I believe there might be less resistance within the U.S. to impose sanctions against India because it's not even an ally, it's only a strategic partner. However, considering the importance of India in the Indo-Pacific and why and how U.S. needs it over the next few years, India can't contain China. But if the partnership has to contain China, if the partnership along with, let's say, Japan and Australia put together has to contain China, India becomes an important player. And which is why many people believe that the, India might have some room for you know, negotiations to uh, wave off these sanctions. So, Krishan, it is clear that India needs Russia at this point, you know, for its uh, military needs. Uh, so, could you end by giving us a brief history of India and Russia's uh, defense partnership? Sure. I mean, the SIPRI, which is the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute, which uh, tracks for global arms trade, it released a report in March in which it compared how India's defense trade with Russia has increased or decreased in the last five-year period compared to the previous five-year period. It mentioned that between 2011 and 15, that period, and 2016 and 20, these two five-year periods, India's arms imports from Russia dropped by around 33%. However, it still says Russia still remains the largest defense exporter to India. So even if though its share dropped from 70% to 49%, I mean 49% for a defense partner is still a major, major share. And this is when it, when it has come down. Traditionally, Russia has been one of the main defense manufacturing nations from which India has bought all sorts of weapon systems. And what also happens is when you have so many defense systems existing in the country, made within a particular country, it makes it easier for the forces to continue to buy from that country because it makes it easier for plug and playing, for just moving to the next stage of the same weapon system compared to buying a new one completely. That is not to say that India is not trying to, you know, hedge its bets and buying different weapon systems because that's always a good move. But it's always easier for the forces to continue with the with what they already know. The familiarity, of course, makes it easy for them. Which is why Russia has been such a, a major defense partner for India. 
it is coming down still but it's still a long way off from becoming even the second largest at the moment and now coming to ahmedabad over the last few days there has been a debate going on about food carts selling non vegetarian fare in gujarat now there is a sizable population in the coastal state that consumes fish meat and eggs but recently there have been demands from certain quarters to remove stalls selling non vegetarian food earlier political leaders of the municipal corporations of rajkot vadodara and bhavnagar issued directives for the removal of non veg food carts from main roads days later ahmedabad followed suit so on sunday the ahmedabad municipal corporations revenue committee chairman janik vakil wrote to the municipal commissioner and the standing committee to ban the sale of non vegetarian food on the city's public roads religious and educational places and other places he cited gujarat's identity and tradition as the reason behind such a move and on tuesday based on an order the civic body began removing these stalls But on the same day as this decision was made BJP leader and Gujarat chief minister Bhupendra Patel said that his government has no problem with what people ate Even the party state president CR Patel had told the Indian Express and I'm quoting the decision to remove these food carts was a personal opinion of leaders in the municipal corporations the state BJP has nothing to do with it we will not implement it across the state unquote So to find out what is really going on we spoke to our correspondent from Gujarat Ritu Sharma So Ritu this is not the first time that something like this has happened in Gujarat right So could you tell us about the other cities where such rules have been imposed That's correct Snigda this is not the first time So Ahmedabad is the fourth city where the political functionaries they had issued uh, directives to remove carts and stalls which are selling non-vegetarian food from the main roads So similar directives were earlier issued by the political leaders of municipal corporations of uh, Rajkot from where it started and then Vadodara and Bhavnagar and then Ahmedabad. So these cities too had gone ahead with the anti encroachment drives if we could say which eventually turned into anti encroachment drives. The municipal corporation and all the cities had implemented uh, these directives uh, without the standing committee official nod. and the standing committee i would like to explain that it is the highest decision making body of municipal corporation and according to the gujarat provincial municipal corporation act 1949 any decision which is cleared by this committee standing committee and uh, ratified by the general board of municipal corporation has to be cleared by the municipal commissioner before it is actually implemented right so how did the ahmedabad municipal corporation actually come to this decision and like you mentioned earlier did it get the required okays and uh, you know green signals from the concerned authorities so i'll uh, go on with the sequence of events what happened in ahmedabad so right on november 13 that was saturday the revenue committee chairman of uh, ahmedabad municipal corporation he wrote to the municipal commissioner and uh, standing committee to ban sale of non vegetarian food on roads now the revenue committee chairman um, who is also a bjp corporator devang dani had cited that gujarat's uh, identity and the tradition in the letter and also stated that it should be banned in order to immediately clear the encroachment so the encroachment angle was there in the letter which are illegally proliferating uh, the non vegetarian carts and all they are illegally proliferating on the um, main roads or in public spaces 
and uh, religious and educational places also now after this november 13 letter on november 15 which is monday when the corporation opened the town planning and estate management committee so it decided to remove all the carts and stalls selling non veg food from the main roads and also within 100 meter radius of religious educational and public places like parks and gardens now the town planning and estate management committee chairman devang dani had uh, then told the indian express on the same day that orders have been issued for the same to the estate department to conduct checking and removal from the next day which is november 16th morning so this is monday and then tuesday so the reason cited by him were that there were several complaints especially from morning walkers citing the gardens and uh, parks and all and as well as the residents visiting religious places and parents which is like the school of uh, foul smell coming from these carts he also mentioned that this is leaving a negative impact on the minds of young children so in this case too there were no written instructions or circular issued by the standing committee or the municipal corporation it was only the town planning and estate management committee that had instructed the estate department to go ahead with the uh, checking and seizure of these carts So Ritu there seems to be some kind of a confusion within the BJP in Gujarat uh, regarding this uh, you know decision uh, with some people at the Ahmedabad Municipal Corporation uh, wanting the ban and then some other BJP leaders like the chief minister himself uh, you know coming out in public and saying that they do not support it so could you tell us more about this you know the tone and the stand of bjp leaders within amc within the corporation amdavad municipal corporation changed after chief minister bupendra patel on november 15 night said that his government has no problem with what people ate he also said that he has been hearing a debate which is going on for two days about food carts and all so he clarified that the government has no issues with who eats vegetarian or non vegetarian food but it should not be harmful to the health and uh, should not obstruct traffic and in that case municipal corporations are free to take action against them as in they can remove them but anyone can eat whatever they want and uh, the government has no objection to that so this he said publicly at a bjp sne milan event in anand district so this was on november 15 and this was further reiterated by state bjp uh, president cr patel the next day on november 16 that no one has taken any such decision and people are entitled to eat what they want and nobody can stop them so he was speaking at a press conference further added that no one has taken any decision any such decision there's no legal ban on them so we clarified that there's no legal ban and then people have a right to eat what they want adding that uh, bjp will never take action against them they'll never think of stopping them or removing them these are poor people whose life depend on them and rather than uh, the party would help them in whatever form they can so as a result on november 16 amc seized over 50 food carts so this included both vegetarian as well as non vegetarian food from across the city as a part of their anti encroachment drive also since they had announced that uh, such an action would be taken against these uh, non vegetarian food carts many non vegetarian uh, food cart vendors they decided to stay off roads on november uh, 16 that was yesterday now so the attempt to start a movement against non vegetarian food from major cities of gujarat eventually turned out into an anti encroachment drive So Ritu you went and did that ground report where you spoke to many vendors uh, who sell non-vegetarian food what did they say to you and also can you tell us how uh, this decision or this move is going to impact them So all the vendors Indian Express spoke to had only one question that why is this ban there was a very fearful feeling among them 
like we could clearly see from the faces from the tone from the questions they were asking so when i asked them is the cart open initially they said no 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 it's not open and then eventually they opened up like you opened up in talking and all when they were convinced so they expressed fear even for following their daily routine for what they have been doing for many years now and uh, concerned how to cover their uh, costs and run their houses like pay school fee for the children and pay rents for the houses they were living in or even for the land where they were uh, putting up this uh, cart and all and many had taken loans and um, borrowed money from lenders and all especially during last two years so many said that first the corona virus had affected them and now this big that has hit them very hard the vendors i met and spoke to majorly they were migrants from other states like up bihar even west bengal and they were asking what they are supposed to do now right so ritu could you finally tell us what are the cultural implications of such a ban you know in an urban city such as ahmedabad you know these decisions by political functionaries uh, of these four major cities of gujarat only gives a false sense of gujarat being a vegetarian state or vegetarianism culture in gujarat the fact that gujarat has a considerable number of non vegetarian population have never been acknowledged and uh, one of the government sample surveys has revealed i think that was in 15 or 16 it has revealed that gujarat has a population of 40% people who are non vegetarian and which according to that sample survey was more than states like punjab and haryana so gujarat with the largest coastline in the country has this fisherman community along this huge coastline who are non vegetarians also other communities like tribals and the obcs are consumers of non vegetarian food now also the fact that one can see many <laughs> egg selling carts and even dedicated egg eateries non veg food carts and food trucks in these cities only reflects that there is demand and consumption of this food by the population as i would just share an uh, anecdote with which one of the um, egg cart vendor told me that uh, they have dedicated customers who come to them from across the city it's not like one particular part of the city or which is inhabited by one particular community so they have a clientele from across the city and not just one particular area or community and uh, he also told me that in a normal day he sells more than 150 160 eggs this is only one cart so this is a kind of consumption and demand in the city like ahmedabad so we cannot deny the fact that uh, gujarat and ahmedabad city they have non vegetarian population so the only fact is that it is not being acknowledged so far and now coming to the kulbhushan espionage case pakistan's parliament on wednesday passed a bill to provide the right of review and reconsideration in the kulbhushan jadhav case to bring into effect the judgment of the international court of justice pakistan's leading daily dawn reported that the international court of justice review and reconsideration bill of 2020 was moved by pakistan's law minister farooq naseem in a joint sitting of the parliament and it was passed with a majority vote the icj gave its judgment on july 17th 2019 wherein it had observed that pakistan was under an obligation to provide by means of its own choosing effective review and reconsideration of the conviction and sentence of jadhav so as to ensure that the full weight was given to the effect of the violation of rights set forth in article 36 of the vienna convention Jadhav a former Indian Navy officer was sentenced to death by a Pakistan military court on charges of espionage and terrorism in April 
India had approached the International Court of Justice against Pakistan for denial of consular access to Jadav and challenging the death sentence. After hearing both sides, the Hague-based ACJ issued a verdict in July 2019 asking Pakistan to give India consular access to Jadav and to also ensure review of his conviction. On Wednesday, the joint sitting comprising members of the Senate and the National Assembly were called to pass a set of laws which were passed by the latter in June this year, including one to enable Jadav to appeal against his conviction, but those laws failed to get the nod of the upper house. The Pakistan government had also tried to enforce the ICJ verdict through promulgation of a special ordinance in 2019 in the wake of the ICJ verdict. But when the Pakistan government promulgated an ordinance to let Jadav file a review, he refused. Later, the Pakistan government, through its defence secretary, filed a case in the Islamabad High Court in 2020 to appoint a defence counsel for Jadav. The High Court formed a three-member larger bench in August 2020, which repeatedly asked India to nominate a lawyer from Pakistan for Jadav, but New Delhi so far refused by insisting that it should be given a chance to appoint an Indian lawyer. The last hearing was on October 5, 2021, and the High Court once again asked the Pakistan government to ask India to appoint the counsel before the next hearing, which is scheduled for December 9. You were listening to Three Things by the Indian Express. Today's show was written and produced by me, Snigda Sharma, and was edited and mixed by Suresh Pawar. You can follow us and leave us feedback on Facebook or Twitter at Express Podcasts, or send us an email at podcasts at indianexpress dot com. And if you like the show, please do subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts from, so more people can find us. You can also look for us in the audio section in the top right corner of our website, indianexpress dot com. 